you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Erin the Addisons here on American Family Radio. And you're listening to Wednesdays with Will. I'm Will Addison. And man, I'm happy to be here today. I have some things that I would love to share. But before I get to those things, just a couple announcements. Uh, you can email us at addisons at afr.net. Addisons, A-D-D-I-S-O-N-S at AFR.net. And also, looking forward to the Marriage Family Life Conference. You know, registration is closed, but man, just we are still preparing the way and doing some things, um, you know, getting ready for the home stretch July 7th to the 9th. If you didn't make, if you're not able to make this year, well, that'll be next year. And so <laughs> you'll be hearing about that. But man, we're looking forward to having a great time and uh, just really receiving from the Lord at the Marriage Family Life Conference. So hope to see you there. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and on YouTube. Just search Airing the Addisons. Uh, you can watch the broadcast live if you would like to do that. Uh, just go to Facebook and search Airing the Addisons or YouTube. And also, make sure that you check out our By Design Facebook page or our webpage, which is afa.net slash by design. Man, so today, you know, uh just have a couple things I want to look at. Uh, last week, uh, I talked about the common feature uh, that stuck out to me as I was reading the book of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. So I'm, I'm finished now reading the book of uh, Jeremiah for the second time around because the Lord had me to read that uh, particular book earlier uh, in this year and then had me come back to it again. But then I went on from there and I um, read through Lamentations, which is not a long book, but then also now reading in Ezekiel. And it's just amazing some of the things that uh, you see as features of God's judgment of why he judged his people so harshly. And so last time I talked about the shepherds, the priests and the prophets being corrupt. And how even as we look at where we are today, we can see some of those same things happening uh, in the church that we have, you know, shepherds and and uh, prophets and priests, those who are called to lead out teachers and leaders and preachers who are corrupt and God, he judged those things. Uh, these were the people that were supposed to uh, show God as holy, but they uh, disregarded the holiness of God. And so we saw as a result of that, that was one of the reasons why God came down so harshly upon Judah and because the leadership there had uh, not beheld God as holy before the people. But today I want to talk about a common temptation for the believer, especially ones in leadership on any level uh, within the body of Christ. And I'm going to call it uh, the performance trap, the performance trap. So we live in a time where entertainment and being entertained is highly desired. 
I'm not only speaking in terms of the world, but I'm talking about within the church. Within the church. Uh, we rate preachers based on, you know, how well they can stir up the crowd, the audience. We rate uh, church services by the level of emotion that we feel a lot of time. You know, I used to commonly uh, hear, man, we really had church today. And really what they were saying was, man, emotionally, man, I was moved. You know, I, I was shouting. I was jumping. And is anything wrong with that? Nope. But when it's done purely out of emotion, it is. And a lot of times, because of the desire for uh, 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 performance, leaders and pastors and preachers find themselves kind of in a, in a situation where, man, they want to make sure that the crowd, you know, is pleased. So I'm, I'm going to preach this way or I'm not going to talk about this. It begins to dictate, you know, the messages. It's a performance trap. And man, it's very, it's prevalent. It's prevalent. So when you hear things like, man, we had church today, you know, and then you ask the question, well, what was the sermon about? And a person looks, looks at you like a deer in headlights. <laughs> Something is wrong. Something is wrong. So if we really had church today, you should be able to lay out to me all the points that the pastor made, right? You should tell me what the, what, what the sermon was about. But, but a lot of times what you get is crickets. Um, yeah, you know, kind of, yeah, he talked about, um, yeah, it was something. I think it was the book of Psalms. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> he said we had, yeah, I had church today, you know, and you were talking about how good it was. So, so what was the message about? And, and, and look, we, we have this desire to be entertained even within a church. But I, when you look at, we look at um, Paul's words to Timothy, you know, uh, in, in the book of, of Second Timothy, I think about, you know, the, the need for entertainment and the need for performance and all this stuff. And I hearken to those words when Paul was telling Timothy, features of the last days. He said, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And then he lays it out. He says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderous, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. Man, all these things I see today. Malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal. Haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And then Paul says, avoid such people as these. We're living in that time right now. If you look around. And if you're going to be real with yourself, the things that are listed right here in Second Timothy that Paul was warning Timothy about, we see happening right now today. And again, I'm not talking about outside of the church. I'm talking about even within the people who are professing to be followers of Christ. 
lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderous, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. When I see that word, I think about the whole CRT thing, you know, and, 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 and the pressures put upon, you know, people to, hey, you, you are operating in your privilege and, you know, and I can't even worship with you because I feel uncomfortable and that you, you are an oppressor and I'm oppressed and, you know, and they will not be reconciled. Like, it's like, no, we have to part ways. Irreconcilable. <laughs> Malicious gossips without self-control. Brutal. Brutal. Haters of, of, of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, although they have denied his power. So a large feature of our society hinge on being entertained. Now, let's be real with ourselves. Let's be real. Because, I, you know, as I look at this, I'm, I'm being real with myself. I like entertainment. Is there anything wrong with entertainment? No, but the desire for it is way out of order in a lot of areas that we would prefer to be entertained than to have truth. We would prefer to be entertained than to be told that's wrong, that the Bible says that this is not right. We would, we would want to be entertained. Tell me something that I want to hear. Tickle my ears. Don't give me hard truth. That's when it's, it's wrong. There's a problem there. But for, for, for a large part of our society, it hinges on being entertained, experiencing pleasure, uh, loving ourselves. And in this climate, as a minister of the gospel, it could be tempting to stray away from the simplicity of the message in order to appease and please the ears of the audience. That can be a real temptation. And so I'm hoping today that through the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, that this would be an encouragement to anyone who minister, but also just to the body of Christ in general, because we can all fall into this trap. But for those who have the message of, of Christ and who are preachers and teachers of the word, man, we have to avoid that trap, the performance trap, where we feel like we have to be like so-and-so and able to communicate effectively, or we have to sound like this, or we have to use these things to, to make people hear us. We have to be sensitive, you know, to uh, avoid that. First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, the apostle Paul lays out clear ways that we as ministers, leaders, pastors, Followers of the way can avoid the performance trap. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. So we're going to get into this. Uh, First Corinthians. And Paul is addressing specific issues in the church of Cor at Corinth. And there are many, many issues. This this church had many issues. There were different things that had been reported to Paul and he was addressing these things. And it seems as though there were at least three letters, maybe four, writ, uh, written to this church. So we have two of them. We have two. But it's alluded to in other uh, uh, chapters that there was another letter, or maybe, maybe two more. But in chapter uh, 1, verse 10 through 17, 
he's addressing divisions within the church concerning following personalities. Wow. The report was that some were saying they were a follower of Paul's teaching. They were they were of Paul. And some were saying they were of Cephas or Peter. And some were saying, no, I follow Apollos. The way he tied those words together, man, the way he break it down, I, I, I'm of Apollos. And then others were saying, man, I'm of Christ. And so Paul's like, man, is Christ divided? Look, we have this, this same stuff happening today. We have the same stuff happening today that we are following after personalities. And even when you look at denominations, you would say, man, I'm a Baptist, I'm Methodist, or, you know, I'm Episcopal, I'm this or that, I'm Southern Baptist. Like we have these divisions. And those things can be a trap. It can be a trap. Now, it's, it's awesome because I love this scripture in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. You know, whenever I think about things uh, in the word of God that, uh, that serve to correct us, to help us to, to apply today to our, our lives today, I think about Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says, for what, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I love that scripture. And I love how I reads in the King James Version because these things that happen in Corinth and that Paul is addressing that for our learning even today so that we can, you know, walk this walk in the way that it should be walked. And so as we look at first Corinthians and part of, and we may get to part of second Corinthians, I mean, of second, uh, the second chapter, first Corinthians chapter one and possibly chapter two, man, these things were writ written aforetime for our learning so that we can know how to live these lives and what to stay away from and to be warned about this and that. Man, the Bible, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. And so after we come from this break, we're going to get into it because there's a few things that are laid out in chapter one of 1 Corinthians that help us to avoid the performance trap. It's a trap. And a lot of people have fallen into that trap. And I'll tell you what, I've been tempted to fall into that trap many, many, many times. But praise the Lord for his word that keeps me. It keeps me. Thank the Lord for the word that keeps me. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back right after this. here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And today we're talking about avoiding the performance trap, the performance trap. And I better uh, get going because that first segment flew by. But I want to look at first uh, Corinthians chapter one. And that's where we're going to spend a lot of the time uh, today. So, as I said before, Paul is uh, addressing some things in the church at Corinth. There are many issues there. 
and he's writing a letter to address a lot of those issues that he was told about. So the, the scripture says um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So they are pretty much fighting over what, what, what camp they're in. My camp is, you know, I'm in the camp of Paul. I'm in the camp of Apollos. I'm in the camp of, of, of this one, of Peter. But Paul, he has, handles this by pointing out that Christ, Christ is preeminent. So point number one is minister, preacher, teacher, Christian. We avoid the performance trap by lifting up Christ, by lifting up Christ. Paul also highlights that the particular call that God gave him to fulfill is the preaching of the gospel. So when we're lifting up Christ, there's no room for us to be exalted. God may have given you a, a gifting or ability to communicate or to, you know, really teach well where people can really understand what you're saying. Or, you know, you may have a way with words and all that stuff. But, man, the, the point is Christ. And so what Paul pointed to was not himself. He didn't say, yeah, I have my followers here. You know, he was like, no, 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 no. Let's not get caught up in the personalities. Let's not get caught up into I'm following this person and that person. But it has to be about Christ. If we keep things about Christ, keep this this whole work about who it's about, man, we won't get caught into that performance trap. That is a surefire way to get caught up by comparing yourself to other people, by comparing yourself to other teachers, other Christians and saying, man, if I could do that, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it many times. And the Lord has always brought me back to the function of his body, that there are different functions. There are different parts, but everybody is, is of the same family. For the same mission. When we understand that, then we have no problem doing what we are called to do. But when you have you had the people, they were like, man, I'm of this one. I'm in this camp. I'm of that camp. I like what he said. I like what that can cause ministers in particular and teachers to be a part of be caught up in a performance trap if you're not careful. And again, like I said, Paul also highlighted that, man, you know what? I'm called to preach the gospel, and that's what I'm going to do. Paul's specific call was to preach the gospel. He preached it to the Gentiles. He said, look, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, which is very, very important. And I'll talk about that later. So that the cross of Christ would not be made void. He said, man, look, you're talking about this one and that one, and, and we are all brothers in Christ. But, man, we it's not about us. It's about the message. 
It's about Christ and him crucified. So number two, the second way to avoid the performance trap is by knowing our call. Knowing our call. Knowing what you're called to do. Because if Paul did not know, he could have easily, you know, just kind of been jaded by that. Man, why are they following Apollos? Man, I think I'm a better preacher than Peter. But he knew that he was called to preach the gospel. And he was not to do it with uh, a cleverness of speech. It was supposed to be simple. It was supposed to be, hey, where everybody can understand what he's saying. So Paul understood his mission and his call. When you understand that, you will not get caught up in a performance trap. I tell you, just being transparent. You know, I know I'm not the most eloquent. You know, I know I'm not the most, you know, learned or studied or, you know. But at the same time, I know my call. My call is to keep it simple. My call is just tell it like it is. My call is to say that the Bible says this. You know, and am I like saying like, man, you know, there, the other things are. No, it's all necessary. We need the, the great teachers. We need those ones who are like, you know, can can have have these words that will be able to like cause you to see the picture in your head where you're like, oh, yeah, boom. Wow. I never made that connection. I love that. I love that. But I know my call. Now, God uses me to do that sometime to make the connection for people and stuff like that. But most most of the time it's like, look, man, this is what the word of God says. Man, Are we going to live it? It's more of an exhortation and a challenge that God has called me to do. To read his word, to take his word and to say, man, it's here right in the book. Are we going to do it to call the attention to the word of God? So Paul knew what he was called to do. He wasn't looking over there at Apollos. He wasn't looking at uh, Peter. He wasn't looking at all these others, Barnabas and everybody else. He said, man, look, I'm not, I have not been called to baptize. That's not the call that God has placed on me, even though I baptized a few people. He said, nope, I've been called to preach the gospel, and I've been called to preach it, not in cleverness of speech, because I'm not trying to make uh, Christ and the cross of Christ void. So number two, to avoid the performance trap, you have to know the call that God has on you. This is a big one, y'all. <laughs> like I said, this is a big one. When we get into gazing upon other, other people's gift in a way that it's like, man, I wish I was, that's destructive. See, Paul understood his mission from God and understanding that it shielded him from desiring to be like those others. It was a boundary for him. It was like, man, I know what I'm called to do. So who has God called you to be in the body? That's the question. Who has God called you to be? How has uh, he called you to function? This knowledge will guard your heart and help you to avoid the performance trap. We have to know what God has called for us to do and how we're supposed to function. If not, we're going to constantly look at others and say, man, I wish, I wish I was this. I wish I had this. Look, I've operated in that for a long time. I know it. That's what happens until you 
appreciate the part of the body that God has made you. You know, Paul then goes into speaking on the wisdom of God. He talks about the wisdom of God. He lays out God's wisdom and his method to save mankind. So it's through the cross of Christ being preached, which is foolishness to those who are perishing, that men and women, boys and girls can be saved. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. A lot of times we want to add this and add that to the gospel and try to make try to make it more complicated than it has to be. We we man, we do a disservice. Because we, we begin to put the focus on the gimmicks or the things that we've added to it. When a lot of times people just need to hear the truth. They want to hear the truth. And it, 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 it's simple. It does not have to be complicated. So point number three. Following God's wisdom in the preaching of the cross helps us to avoid the performance trap. If we would preach the gospel, if we would preach it in a simple way, in a way that people can understand. If we use God's wisdom in preaching the cross, it, it will help us to avoid the performance trap. It could be so tempting to want uh, to overcomplicate the message. It can be so tempting because you know, we want to sound a certain way or sound smart or sound brilliant. Oh, oh man, how he broke that down. Um, it can be so tempting to become gimmicky, to feel the need to have extra words or hard-hitting illustrations. You know how it is. You know, and look, again, I want to say, I love illustrations. Those things, if there are a an aid in helping you to communicate, it's, it's fine. But if your uh, message uh, uh, rely on gimmicks and illustrations and that's pretty much the whole sermon, that's a problem. The gospel, it gets lost within you trying to tell funny stories. <laughs> Look, I know that there are ways to communicate to help people to... But man, at the same time, let's not lose the, the, the gospel. The method that God has, 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 has put forth is the preaching of the gospel. And it, it does not take you to overcomplicate it with your words or with, you know, all these stories and all that kind of stuff. Yes, use those things, but don't let that be the, the focus. So we try to use these hard-hitting illustrations in order uh, for people to, to hear the message. They're not going to hear unless they laugh. And, and Okay, I understand that. You know, people, but look, don't lose the message. That's all I'm saying. And it's tempting to feel as if you have to be a great speaker or orator to effectively give the gospel message. <laughs> but look at what Paul reminds us. And he reminds the Corinthian church. He said, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise 
and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Then he says, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? (laughs) Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Man, we really need to like kind of sit down right here. Because a lot of times we feel like the, 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 the letters behind the name makes the person who they are. I can listen to them because that's Dr. So-and-so. Man, Miki and I was just talking to our children about how there are so many times when we're speaking, even on this show, that God will tell us something. And he will speak. The Holy Spirit will speak something. And, it, and it's something that, man, we didn't really even know we knew that. But God uses that time, use it, uses whatever it is to, to bless someone. And it's something that we haven't like, you know, studied on or planned to say this. But the Holy Spirit, right in that moment, gives us words to say. And so we were talking to our children about how important it is to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not wrong at all to further your education. And to go to school and to go to seminary and all this stuff. That's that could be a great thing. But man, there's nothing like the Holy Spirit giving you the words to say right in that moment. That's nothing like it. Yes, we have to study to show ourselves approved. We have to be ones that that study and take our time with the word of God. But man, we don't block out when the Holy Spirit desires to say something in that moment. He'll give you stuff. There's been times I was talking to Miki about this yesterday. Well, I heard her say something and then down the road, somebody else said the same thing she said months ago. But it's like a professor. It's like somebody with degrees. What was that? It was the Holy Spirit that taught her that. (laughs) Because she didn't go to school to learn that. And I've had the same experience. Man, we sleep on the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in our evangelism. We have so many methods and ways and things that we ways that we can do it that we block out the leading of the Holy Spirit in our everyday practical lives. And so we don't let the gimmicks and all the the, the things around the message take over. A lot of times the message has been dumbed down because we're trying to like pull people in. Oh, you know, I got to not say this and say this, man, let's stick to the word of God. Stick to the word of God. Again, let me go back to this scripture. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We're going to continue on after the break, but this is Aaron Addison's here. On American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will, avoiding the performance trap. We'll be back.
This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, and this is Wednesdays with Will, and we're talking about avoiding the performance trap. Before the break, I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 uh, through 25. And so that point was following God's uh, wisdom in the preaching of the cross helps us to avoid the performance trap. It's so easy to get caught up in that. You know, trying to be uh, clever and witty and 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 uh, a lot of times it could get kind of gimmicky, you know, to the point where the message is lost. Where you're like, man, I heard a great speech. I heard a great, you know, uh, talk. But there was no conviction. There was no power because, you know, the, the message of the cross was lost in all of the, the stories and the, trying to, you know, be funny and cute. The, the, the message of the, of the cross has the power to save. And so we need to make sure that as ministers, as teachers, as preachers, and man, as followers of the way, as we are evangelizing and sharing the gospel, that we are keeping it simple, that we are making sure that what's front and center is not us and not our abilities to communicate in an effective way, but what's front and center is the message itself is the message itself. So again, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 19, 25, for it, is, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. And all this wisdom <laughs> the world didn't even come to know God. They couldn't even, they, they can't understand. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. By faith. It wasn't a by, you know, how smart the people were, but they believed, truly believed by faith. For indeed, Jews asked for a sign and Greeks searched for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Amen. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And point four, we avoid the performance trap by having the right estimation of the word. The right estimation of the word of God. The simplicity of the message is part of its beauty. Do you hear me? The simplicity of the message is part of its beauty. Paul says that God made foolish the wisdom of the world. So in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom and its learning and all its smarts and eloquence and knowledge did not come to know God. God was well pleased that in simple terms, the foolishness of the message preached to bring about um, Salvation, to bring about salvation to those who simply and sincerely believe through the message preached. 
through the simplicity of the message. How great is our wise God. So the world and all this knowledge and, and wisdom of the world and all this smarts and, and all this kind of stuff, they didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue at all. But God's well pleased at this in simple terms through the foolishness of preaching. That's how people would hear the message and be saved. The complexity of the world of, un, of the unbelievers are the seeking after signs and the worldly wisdom. But the, but the Christ follower preached the simplicity of Christ crucified. So the world, they want signs. Or give me some great wisdom or some knowledge that you've gotten. But man, it's simple. It's simple for the Christ follower. It's preaching the gospel. It's Christ crucified. This is a stumbling block to the intellectual elites, but it's beautiful. They can't understand it. What? A man died that all can have eternal life? They, they don't get it because these things are spiritually understood. For the gospel can uh, accurately, accurately and uh, impactfully flow from the lips of an eight-year-old. That's how simple it is. It can flow accurately from the lips of an eight-year-old or an 80-year-old. <laughs> Either one. You have young people that can tell you what the gospel is. And you have the older who can do the same because it's the simplicity of the message. We don't have to make it flowery and fluff it up so that people can understand it and receive it. It is what it is. It's going to fulfill its purpose by the Spirit's empowerment. So if you have an eight-year-old, you have an 80-year-old, they can both preach this gospel. They can both share this good news. They can both share it. Point five, we avoid the performance trap by having the right estimation of ourselves. So we, we, we have to have the right estimation of the word, right? It's the word of God. But we have to have the right estimation of ourselves. And one of the most uh, beautiful things about the gospel is that its, its results ultimately depend on God. It's not on us to make it happen by, you know, polishing up our presentation, right? The gospel is powerful enough that if it's spoken, that if it's spoken through a willing vessel, that those who have ears to hear will hear and receive. So that's one of the beautiful things that it's not up to me to make it what it needs to be. The gospel is what it is. We are called to deliver it, to preach it, to, to tell others. That part does not depend on me. It is what it is. And while it's fine and even encouraged, like I said before, for us to, to be intellectually sound and, and studied, and it's admirable to further our education, but let's not forget that the potency of the message does not depend on our abilities. The potency of the message does not depend on our abilities. And this has been, again, a personal struggle for me. Because I feel like, man, can I really communicate effectively? Can I share it? You know, I don't cross all my T's and dot all my I's. <laughs> 
in many situations, I, I found myself to be like Moses. You know, with, when, when God told Moses, look, I want you to go and you're going to be you're going to lead this people and tell Pharaoh to let the people go. And he gave Moses this message that he was to carry. And Moses said, I can't do it. I can't I can't speak. I'm slow of speech. I can't do it. So God tells uh, him, go. And he says, no, I can't because I, I just can't. I'm not I'm not built that way. I can't speak. So God tells me to say something, and I'm like, I can't speak it, Lord. I, it would be better coming from someone else who was more polished in their presentation. I tell the Lord, I'm I'm slow to, to, to slow to speak, you know. I'm slow in my speech, Lord. You know, I'm from New Orleans. I don't enunciate, you know. <laughs> my T's they sound like D's, you know. <laughs> I'm like, man, you want me to to, to give this message? But the power is in the message. And if he's calling you to give it, he's giving you the ability to say it to the audience that is right before you. Those ears will hear what the spirit is saying. That's the bottom line. So me and all my, you know, quirks and the way that I I speak and talk, man, God says, no, I want you to say it. That's been a hard thing for me. To come to the conclusion that he's telling me to say these things to people when I feel like, man, I'm not adequate. But the beauty about that is I'm not. And so all the glory goes to who? (laughs) God. God sets these things up this way on purpose. It's for his glory. The vessel can't glory in, you know, giving the message. Man, the message is what's powerful. The one who made the vessel is more powerful. It's not the vessel. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31, he said, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh. <laughs> you guys were not like top of y'all class. You know what I'm saying? Y'all wasn't like, you know, the wisest ones in the, in the bunch. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Wow. Why? Because he gets the glory. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised um, And the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. Man, God is so wise because he understands that, you know, if you are deflated, you know, or inflated in your approach and you think so highly of yourself that, man, you're going to be tempted to grab all of the, the glory. It's me. I did this. Look how I moved this crowd. You know what I'm saying? The words that I said. Man, I I really got him right here when I made this point. Now, a lot of times it's funny because we don't say that stuff, but that's what's in the heart. That's what's in the heart. And man, I'm going to get him with this point right here. When I say this, boom. Man, God deserves the glory. It's his message. He's the one that provided salvation. He's the one. He's preeminent. We point to him. We point to him. 
But it goes on to say, the things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that uh, he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. That's the point. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Look, you avoid the performance trap if you can understand these scriptures. That it's not because of your wisdom. It's not because of your strength. It's not because of the, the flawlessness of your delivery that the message of the cross is powerful. No, it's because of what Jesus did. If we can grasp that, if we can understand that, there won't be any hindrances in our proclaiming the gospel. Because, like for me, I won't rest upon, oh, I can't say this, I can't speak this well, I can't do that. Because it's not about me. It's about the message that I'm giving. And for those who are very polished in their speaking, and, and, and are great orators. Well, it's not in your ability to do that. It's not in your ability to wow the crowd. It's in the gospel message. It's in the cross. See, on, on both sides, you can get it. For, for the one who feel like they can't, no, you really can't. But it's not because of you that this is powerful. It's because of the message. And for the one who feels they have the ability and can Ah, it's not because of you. It's because of the message. All he is saying is that you deliver the message. He will use your giftings and talents and abilities for his glory if you let him, if you allow him to. He desires to use your, your polished approach and he, he, he desires to use that, that you can speak well. But it has to be for his glory. We can't get it twisted. And a lot of times we've rested on the charisma of man and said that person is qualified because they can move me when they speak. That has been destructive. And we don't look for character. We watch out and we look for charisma. But before I go, I just want to read this last part. Time is winding down. But Paul even brought it back to himself in, 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 in chapter two. And I'll just read this and I'll, and this will be it. He said, and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God. Look, Paul was a person that could have wowed them. He had the background. He was trained. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew the law. He studied under Gamaliel. He could have done that, but he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not trying to come, you know, in this way to persuade you with my words. I'm coming only through the authorization of the spirit and, and his power. That's where we have to rest. That's where we have to rest. It's by the power of God that we're able to say and do the things that we do for the Lord. Let's avoid that performance trap by relying on the spirit of God. This has been Aaron Addison's here in American Family Radio. We'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing. But until then. 
God bless.